Christ the King Sudden Valley, we are an authentic Christian community, reaching out to people in love, acceptance, and forgiveness, so they may experience the joy of salvation and a purposeful life of discipleship. We encourage you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. We meet at the barns located in Gate 2. Also, you can find us on Facebook at CTK Sudden Valley or go to www.ctk.church. Now, let's join Pastor Jason Manning as he continues his series entitled Change, a study of change through the book of John. Maybe it was so he would not be seen or be recognized. Being recognized would have brought up its own set of questions. He had the answers he wanted in mind, but he needed to know. Hearing about his teaching, his miracles, and all, uh, all, it all really didn't make sense, yet it seemed legit, and he needed the answers. As he kept to the shadows, he pondered what he would do with whatever information he gathered, whatever message he would receive. After all, he was part of some of the most influential group of people of that city at that time. A group of people that most would do anything to keep the stories from Jesus to be known. And as he approached the house where he was staying, he almost turned back. He almost didn't go through with it. He didn't want to be on the other end of another flipping the tables and being driven out by a whip like what happened in the temple. And now at the door, he reaches up to knock on the door. And as the door opens, uncertainty is what he was met with. And as he would reveal his face, the only move was to let him in. He was far too important to not let usher him in to the house. It was formal greetings from then on as he sat and waited to sit with Jesus. To gather with him. And as we gather this morning, as we look at this interaction, we all drove here in the light. My hope is that we would bring to light the lessons that Jesus was teaching Nicodemus that day. That we would focus on Jesus this morning. That we would bring to light not only the lessons that Jesus taught him, but the change that Jesus calls all of us to uh, this morning. To catch you up, we're in a three-week series, or it's, it's only been three weeks, entitled uh, Change. Right, We're on chapter three of what was going to be about a 12-week series. There's 21 books in John, so you can do the math and figure out how long we're going to do this series. Um, no, we won't do 21 weeks. I've never done a series that long. But uh, we're going to jump in on an interaction that Jesus has with a, with a man, with Nicodemus, with Nick. Um, I think it was like the second year we planted the church, I did a whole series called Conversations. And we looked at conversations that uh, Jesus had with people in the Bible. And this actually wasn't the one, one of the ones we talked about. But today is going to be one of those interactions where we look in on a conversation that Jesus had with Nick. 
And so to catch you up, chapter 1, uh, John starts right in at the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, establishing that Jesus wasn't created. He was present in the beginning, and that he's dwelling with us now. And that's what we looked at week one, that he's always present with us, and that if we believe in him, uh, actually, that he's actually alive in us. And that Jesus loves us no matter where we are at right now, but he has so much more for us. He, he accepts us where we're at, but doesn't want us to stay there was one of the phrases we looked at. And what's interesting about John, and one of the reasons why I kind of like it, is he skips over the whole manger scene. He skips over the Christmas story. I love the Christmas story, don't get me wrong. But John gets right into Jesus in action. What Jesus is doing. And so chapter 2, we looked at how Jesus leads change. That how he, he can bring gradual change over time, which we probably all have been experienced. And then he can bring even sudden change, immediate change in our lives, as Sven shared with us, that hopefully at some point, if you haven't already, you experience that sort of change as well. And John jumps right into what Jesus is doing, and we see Jesus and the disciples. Uh, John is referenced as, as the one that Jesus loves, the only disciple to make it to dying of old age. And John gets right into what Jesus did. Sven introduced the story last week of Jesus turning water into wine. That miracle, it's, it's recorded as the first recorded miracle of the Bible. Uh, I actually happen to think that Jesus probably performed a lot of miracles as a child in the house. Like Mary was like, hey, you know, your brother's sick. Jesus, you know. Or I can't get that off the shelf. Could you, like, force it down to me? I mean, the way Mary interacts with Jesus, like, Jesus, like, she expects him to do it as if she's seen him do that before. And, and John jumps right into that. And, and, and people start hearing about the healings and about the water into wine. And people start asking questions about this Jesus. And not just the needy and the sick. Right? People who are, in other cases, very knowledgeable, like Nicodemus. Educated, kind of A-listers to the party. And they start asking questions and wondering about what Jesus is about. What he's doing and whether it's true. People like Nicodemus. Nicodemus came to Jesus at night with his questions, seeking answers. Seeking answers. And Nicodemus, he was a high official at the time. You have your, like, your local delegates, and then you have the high-level officials, and Nicodemus was one of those. One of what I think is like 70, 72, I think, of the highest level of, of, of spiritual leadership at that time, earthly spiritual leadership. Top official, ruler of the Jews. And Nick has heard of Jesus' teaching. He's heard of his healing. He's heard about the wine. I think maybe he thinks he might get a nightcap visiting Jesus at night, a glass of his, what was the best wine, as we heard in the wedding. Um, or maybe he just wanted to avoid the crowds. Maybe he, uh, he was... Avoiding the ridicule that might come if people recognized just who he was going to see this 
person that his group of people actually opposed. Uh, either way, uh, I really feel that he wanted. He was, he was searching out answers, answers to life. And if you can imagine, uh, if you were around back then and trying to get an appointment with Jesus, right? You think Costco lines are bad. People gathered. And I think that that might be one of the reasons why Nicodemus came at night. Right? And it might have been the same day. Um, I tend to think it was based on the scripture and the conversation we're looking on. On the same day, uh, this teaching was the same day that Jesus had driven the people out of the temple. Um, And even if it wasn't, I I imagine Jesus' days were exhausting. And Jesus talks about rest a lot, and so he's resting at night. But Nicodemus is so important and important enough that they just usher him in to see Jesus. Jesus might have been sleeping. I like to think of those little side things. Like, Jesus actually slept. Like, I don't think they had, like, down pillows or, like, you know, like, I don't know what they had. But uh, Jesus slept. And that brings the human side of him into this, uh, this story. I wonder myself if I'd even want to say, get a cup of coffee with Jesus, right? I I imagine my conversation with Jesus would be much, much less of me saying anything and Jesus just letting me have it and I would create a list. I would pay attention. I would record, much like we see in this interaction. I bet you Nicodemus had his stuff he wanted to bring, but Jesus took over that conversation and delivered one of the greatest depictions of the gospel to this religious official that come to find out, I mean, his group, we know his group opposed what he was doing on earth at that time. And so there's the, the knock on the door. In John 3, 1, 2. Now there was a Pharisee, uh, an, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with you. I remember the words, I think we spoke them last week, where it was evident, both last two weeks, evident that the men were with Jesus, right? John and Peter, right? Or James and Peter? John and Peter. But this is the case here, like, Nicodemus recognizes what Jesus is doing and says, it's evident that God is on your side. And Nicodemus would have known his Bible. He would have even had all of his questions. He wanted answers in the conversation. And what Jesus does with Nicodemus is this amazing orchestrated walk through exactly what Jesus needed to tell him. You see, there's a difference between being taught and knowing, though. I believe Nicodemus knew a lot. He had learned a lot about the scriptures and about the Bible and everything that was going on. But there's a difference between knowing something and even wanting to know something, seeking answers, and actually applying it to your life. Actually allowing the information, the answers to bring change in your life. See, there's a difference between learning and changing. There's a difference between learning whatever it is that we've got to learn and the things we maybe get received from Jesus or other people in our life. And then there's the difference in that is, is what we apply to our lives, what brings change in our lives. And I feel Nicodemus now, this is just my opinion, I feel Nicodemus was seeking to learn the answers. 
score good on the test, have the logical explanation for everything that was going on. And I'm pretty confident that he got something he wasn't expecting in his interaction. Rabbi, he said, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, but no one can do what you're doing unless they're with God. Verse 3, Jesus replied, Verily, truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely you can't enter a second time into their mother's womb and be born. And I, Nicodemus was a very educated, proper person of that time. And so this, that statement can define a lot of different things about this conversation. Jesus is talking, he's like, well, surely, I mean, he could have said it sarcastically. Surely I can't enter my mom's womb again. I'm way too big, you know? Or like, what do you mean? Like, this is nonsense what you're talking, Jesus. That's impossible. And maybe it was direct opposition out of his knowledge. Maybe it was sarcasm. Maybe it was just a bad dad joke, right? Uh, I've got a lot of those. Maybe it was out of Nicodemus' nervousness, his frustration with everything that was going on and the group of people he was running with. Either way, it's very real in this conversation. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. To be born again what Jesus is stating here, to be born again is transformational change. It's transformational change. And that's how Jesus' change can work in our lives. Transformationally. Right? It's not duct tape and super glue to fix the problem. To mask over it, to get it to work for a little while longer. It's not a YouTube fix, right? You can fix anything in your house with YouTube these days, right? But it's a fix. Most of our temporary fixes. I know. I've done a ton of temporary fixes. It's transformational change. It's, it's holistic in its nature. Right now, do we still struggle? Yes. Do we still sin? Yes. But church, what we need to know and what we need to understand is that the gospel, the good news, being born again, uh, becoming Christian through our faith and understanding in Christ is meant to bring transformational change in our life. Holistic change. It's not just meant as a, as a temporary fix. Right? We've talked about it a handful of times in the last little while. The, the, the animal sacrifices of the Old Testament were fixes. Right? They weren't... They weren't uh, penalty paid for the sin. It was, it was uh, pushing off of what was the penalty for sin. It was uh, covering it for a time being. And, and God knew that that wasn't going to work. That that wasn't the, the solve of the whole situation. That wasn't the transformational change of the whole situation. Right? Flesh gives birth to flesh. Feeding the things in your life that you're not willing to change gives birth to more things in your life that you're not willing to change. Spirit, Jesus, gives birth to spirit. Looking in on Jesus' truth and his understanding, his active, alive in your life, gives birth to 
more change and more Jesus and more spirit moving in your life. It's like exercising a muscle, right? You continue to exercise that muscle. You continue to, or setting a habit, right? I think the, the habit changing is 17 times. Do, seven, do something 17 times in a row, it becomes a habit or changes a habit. Transformational change with and in, in from Christ. Verse 8, the wind blows. I love this. And, and, and this is kind of what's evident in a lot of change and, and, and what we'll see in this story with Nicodemus is the wind blows whatever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it was with everyone born of the Spirit. What Jesus is saying here is uh, you may not be able to tangibly see me now. This is spoken to us as believers. But what, what will be produced from my action is change in your life. And that's what will be evident. Jesus produces change, which then gives birth to change. Like actual transformational change. Gives birth to change and it's evident. Now, uh, when we mess up and we maybe try to fix something, we ask for forgiveness for a certain action in our lives... That is received and is forgiven, but the alive, active, dwelling presence of Christ in our life actually gives birth to transformational change. Not just going back and repeating that same thing later on, which, right, we all struggle. We, we all continue to struggle with that. And it's not... This idea of achieving more Jesus. There's, there, Jesus is constant. You can't get more Jesus. The message that, is, uh, is that, that, that he shares with Nicodemus is that Jesus gave it all. He gave his entire life for us. But it was in a one-on-one -on -one conversation... It was in a one-on-one -on -one conversation with, with Nick that Jesus delivers the most amazing summarization of what God needed, what he knew he had to do for everyone. And I didn't realize this, that this verse that is all over the place was actually delivered in a one-on-one -on -one conversation with a religious leader in a house Late at night. Starts in verse 13. No one has ever gone into the heaven except for the one who came from heaven. And so he's saying he's, he's, he came from heaven, not created, but came from heaven, from the right hand of God, the Son of Man. Just as Moses was lifted up in a snake in the wilderness, so the, the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. So this is... At one time, Moses was, they were, they were combating the poisonous uh, venom of a snake, and he lifted up a, a scepter, and if everybody looked at that scepter, they were healed. And it was casting a metaphor what would be that Jesus lifted on the cross, and if everybody looked their eyes to Jesus, they would be saved. So that's the metaphoric analogy in that kind of scripture. That everyone who believes in him may have eternal life in him. And then the verse... For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, 
but have eternal life. Right? If you watched XFL football, that was in the stadiums this week. Right? It's in a lot of television shows we watch. John 3.16. And this is what's so amazing about this message, that it, it's not about the guilt you may feel. It's, uh, it isn't about making you feel bad about whatever you've got going on in your life. It's not about shame. That isn't the message that Jesus delivers. That's us resting in that temporary fix in our life and what we feel and not allowing Jesus to, to take over the situation. All those feelings isn't what Jesus is telling Nick in this moment. And it's the message that Nick hears that brings him to a spot that Nick would have never thought he would be in. That Nicodemus would have never, going into that night and knocking on Jesus' door, Nick did not anticipate what would come 13 chapters later. Where two guys, two of them, would take the body and carry it to the purchased tomb. Joseph of Arimathea, having arranged to receive the body from Pilate, having pleaded to give them the body of Jesus, and Nick having purchased and brought what was needed for a proper burial. Joe would secure the tomb and Nick would carry some 75 pounds of claws and bandages and myrrhs and aloe to prepare the body. And they would begin the long task of removing every foreign object from the body because that's how a proper burial would need to happen. They would remove the glass that was intertwined in the whips. They would remove the dirt and the bark or whatever, the splinters from the cross, maybe the thorns that had broken off in his head, honoring the Jewish traditions. And for Nick, I'm sure in that moment, his thoughts would venture back to that first night. That first night when when he came to Jesus with his list of questions. Searching for answers, he would think back at that conversation when Jesus laid it all out for him. See, both the tomb and the material that was purchased for Jesus' burial would be extravagantly expensive. The traditional burial equal to what would be spent for a very rich man's burial. And in life, Jesus ministered in a very different way. We know that. That he wasn't, he had only what he could carry from town to town. Nothing fancy. After all, he had come from he didn't, he didn't come for a certain class of people. Uh, the rich, right? He didn't come only for the rich. If we look at Scripture, we actually know that it says that it's harder for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Jesus didn't come even 
for those that were deep in need, the ones that obviously needed a hand up. He had come for everyone, and Nicodemus' story would attest to that. And I wonder if as they were preparing the body of Jesus, they realized the severity of that very moment. Could they even comprehend that they were fulfilling prophecy? That they themselves, the two of them, Joe and Nick, the only two, some of the disciples had left, had left the town, had, had, had and I'm sure they felt the same emotion that it was over. But in that moment, as Joe and Nick prepared the body and the burial, I wonder if they realized the prophecy in Isaiah. Isaiah 53, 2, it's not up on the screen, but just listen. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us, attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised. We held him in low esteem. And surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us, uh, us, the, the, the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have turned to our own ways. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of all of us. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led to the lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before the shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut from the land of the living for the transgressions of the people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. He was assigned a grave with the wicked. He was hung on the cross next to criminals. But he was buried among the rich. Joe and Nick fulfilled prophecy of what was said would come of Jesus' death. assigned death amongst the wicked and buried with the rich. But more than that was the reason Nick was there in chapter 19. Preparing the body with Jesus in the end. And it started with those words in the one-on-one -on -one conversation that Nick had with Jesus in chapter 3. When Nick knocked on his door late at night with, with, with searching and yearning on his heart to hear from Jesus. The words of chapter 3 compelled Nick to be with Joe, the two of them, in the end, preparing Jesus' body. Man, what a change. What a transformation for Nick. And church, it's that same transformation that Jesus offers each one of us.
And it's through our lives and the change that we allow and the activeness that we allow Jesus to play a role in our lives that brings us to the point, that intimate point through one-on-one conversation, through searching and, and asking our questions and allowing Jesus, who's living and active now, the cross is empty, to be a part of our answer. To be a part of our born again. There's only one type of Christian. A born again Christian. Right? No longer the chosen people. It's those that believe in Christ. That have put their faith and trust in who He is and what He did for each one of us. And so this morning, that is what is on the table offered to each one of us. That transformational change of allowing Christ to have that conversation with us, to lead into both gradual and sudden, but very caring and relational change in our lives. It'd be amiss if I didn't pray for anybody who would want to accept that change this morning. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with a prayer. And I'm going to offer that up to anybody who desires that transformational change. Maybe it's the first time. Maybe it's one of many times that you've desired and even sought that change in your life. But I want to offer that to you this morning. So let's everybody bow your head and close your eyes. Lord, we thank you for... the very relational interaction you have with each of us, Lord. We thank you for how active you are in this barn and in the lives that are represented in this barn today. Lord, I know that I desire more of you in my life and less of myself. Lord, I desire, I desire great change. I know that you have blessed each one of us with where we are at right now, but you have so much more. So this morning I pray for that. I pray for that very real interaction. I'm going to lead you through just a simple prayer. It's called the ABCs. Admit, believe, and commit your life to Christ. If, if you want to, you can pray this in your, in your head with me as I pray it if, if you desire to this morning. Lord, I admit I admit oftentimes I fall short. Oftentimes I have gone astray, Lord. I admit that my sin actually runs more rampant than it should, Lord. But I, I deeply want to believe in you. I believe that you lived a life, Lord, that you walked on earth with man you lived a life as an example for me. And I believe that life came to an end with you on the cross, dying for those sins and the shortcomings that I have in my life. Lord, so this morning, I want to commit my life to you. Lord, it is my desire to commit everything I have. I won't always do it, Lord, but it's my desire. I want to commit my life to you.
church people of the church if you maybe prayed that for the first time today I would just love for you to look up and catch eye contact with me thank you God you are great you're great I see you Lord, it is amazing how you work. It is amazing how active you are. Lord, this morning I pray for my friends who have accepted you for the first time. What an amazing party in heaven that is. Lord, and for those of us that have maybe prayed that prayer for the 10th, 20th, 30th time, Lord. Lord, help us to believe. Help us in our unbelief to believe in you more, to commit our lives to you. Lord, we give all that we have to worship you. We pray that God blesses you with this message. If you'd like to contact us, please reach out to us on Facebook at CTK Sudden Valley or visit our website at www. You can also find other episodes of this podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Until next time, thank you for listening.